This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Whether you want to place a trade on Twitter or get market news from your smart speaker, TD Ameritrade has everything you need to invest on your favorite platforms and devices. So, see what's new at tdameritrade.com innovation. And this episode of Rule Breaker Investing is also brought to you by Molecule, the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. So, for $75 off your first order, visit Molecule.com, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and enter the discount code FOOL. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. So, let me tell you again the story about my friend Igor's friend. Igor was a summer intern we had on our investment team, on one of my investment teams here at Fool Headquarters. I'm going to say this was maybe nine or ten years ago. And I'm always interested when we have young people who are interested in the stock market and investing. Math shows, and really just intelligence shows, that the younger we get interested, the better off we are. So, the best time to find out about this podcast or about the stock market is when you're 15, not 50. More than happy to take all comers, but the earlier you get on the train of compounding returns, the better. So, I'm always interested when young people have the same interest I do, which is in investing and in the stock market. And yep, Igor was one of those guys. And Igor, who I believe was originally from Russia, was a college student and joined us here at Full HQ. And I asked him, you know, how'd you get started? Because that's always my second question. First, are you interested in the stock market? Oh, really? Great. How'd you get started? And Igor said, well, it was my friend at college who got me started. Friend, maybe like sophomore year, I met him and he taught me some about this subject. And here I am now a senior and I'm fascinated by it. I even had this internship here at Motley Fool headquarters. But it's interesting, Igor went on, because my friend doesn't invest anymore. And I said, what? You mean somebody who's young and who was precocious enough to have taught you investing a couple of years ago doesn't even invest anymore? And he said, yeah, well, here's what was happening. He was a focused investor, so he would only take a few positions. So he'd load large portions of his money into just a few stocks. And the companies that he typically would look at would be like very small cap biotech companies. So if a drug didn't get approved, or you can actually see how this would play out, when things, when you're investing in things that'll blow up and you're only invested in a few firecrackers, it might be that none of them is actually a bottle rocket that ever soars. And so you could easily see, in retrospect now, how Igor's friend could have ended his investment career, maybe kind of running himself out of money because of how he'd chosen to approach investing. So I've always enjoyed that story that Igor told. I referenced this before on this podcast, but it's going to enable me to talk about something I hope special this week. I hope this is one of the truly memorable Rule Breaker Investing podcasts that you hear, because I'm going to be introducing some new content, new ideas to help you as an investor, and it's going to kind of enter, not right away, but maybe the canon of how we do Rule Breaker Investing. So, that's the focus, and I'm going to explain a little bit more about that in a sec. But back to Igor's friend, or how that person, or how you and I are investing. I think there are two questions. There's the what, and the how. All right, so the what is what you tend to invest in. Like, what type of company do you invest in? Rule breakers? Do you invest in dividend paying stocks? It's the ticker symbols, the company names, of course, behind them, the companies behind those names, the what. 
And then there's the how. The what is about the companies you're investing in. The how is about you. How do you invest? So there's the what and the how. And you can ask yourself, as a fellow investor and a fellow traveler in life here, a fellow rule breaker with me, what is your what and what is your how? And what I realized, using that framework for Igor's friend, is that his what was like development stage companies that had no real profits and were very subject to binary decisions that could, depending on which way they go, blow everything up. That was his what. And his how was he tended to load large portions of his money into those companies. That was his what and that was his how. And I think I said to Igor that day at our meeting in Full HQ, I think I said, you know, that's interesting. Now that I'm thinking of it in those terms, here's my what and here's my how, and I'll share them with you right now. My what is I like to find the most innovative companies of our time. And I like to make sure they're not just R&D firms or they're not just a hope and a dream. They're actually real-world companies de- delivering outstanding solutions, often disrupting the industries in which they are participating. But they're real innovators, and they could be potentially big-time innovators, like maybe one day they'd grow up and be Amazon.com. Those are my what's. I've always loved those companies. I think you and I should spend almost all of our time, if we're trying to beat the market, and we care enough to select stocks, I think we should be spending a lot of our time, anyway, looking at those kinds of companies. That's my what. My how is that I tend to buy and not really to sell. I try to get in before the vast majority of others and out well after the vast majority of others. That's a quote that I've sometimes used in the past, one of my maybe legacy lines one day that I'm hoping to just convey how we do the how of rule breaker investing. In before the vast majority of others, out well after the vast majority of others. And it's that second part that's so key. So that's kind of our how. And what I said in that meeting 10 years ago was, I think that's why this approach works. Because a lot of people who might go for innovators think that those are really high price stocks or they're momentum stocks or you know you need to figure out where when to sell those because they're going to collapse probably at some point. I mean you need to act in a volatile manner around volatile innovators. But we instead on this podcast and in my services Motley Fool Stock Advisor, Motley Fool Rule Breakers, I've got a scorecard um, almost two decades long now of stocks where we basically bought them and then kept holding. We did the opposite of how people think they should approach innovators. And I think because that puts us in a small corner of the big room of the investment world, there are not many others that have painted themselves into that little corner where we are. We're kind of lonely there. And that's great news for you and me because most of the rest of the world will not adopt this investment approach. And so that's our what and that's our how. And when you put those two things together, you have, I hope, a market beating strategy you can use the rest of your life. And so let's look a little bit more deeply, not at the what this week. Nope, this podcast is about the how. Now, I think you know the what if you've, if you bought my 1998 book back in the day written with my brother, Rule Breakers, Rule Makers. You know that I first kind of articulated the Rule Breakers six traits that we look for in our companies, the what's, the six traits we're looking for that have you fishing in a pond of what I think will be some of the best companies of our time. So that's the what, and you probably know those, looking for a top dog and first mover in an important emerging industry. Um, I hope you know these six traits. If you don't, you definitely just need to keep listening to this podcast longer, or Google it, or join us at Rule Breakers 
Com. You can take a look at our service, but that's the what. That's how we've been investing, and I've taught those six traits, and I've used them over and over now for the 20 years that we've invested together since that book came out in 1998. But there's a second group that I'd never really codified before. Traits of you, the investor, your hows, how we suggest you invest as a rule-breaker investor. And just as we have six traits for our what, the six rule breaker traits we've already published in the past. Now I'm about to unleash six traits that you should use as your hows. That I was just, this should be how you invest. This should describe you as an investor. So if this all comes together well enough in some future publication or future podcasts, I'll be including both of these sets your six what's and your six hows. And I think that investors who follow those 12 principles will do pretty well, even without my help. I hope I'm setting you up to not just toss you fish, but of course, teaching you how to fish through this podcast. So I'm going to unleash then the six hows of being a rule breaker investor. You know, I used to write a lot. I used to write an introduction every month for the Rule Breakers service, a little essay up front, especially back when we were a print newsletter. And then for Stock Advisor, I would write an essay every other month. So six essays a year for Stock Advisor and 12. And Rule Breakers gave me 18 essays a year written over about 10 years. So I had a lot of published material. And the reason I loved doing that, um, I'll explain in a sec why I hated doing that, why I no longer do that. But the reason I love doing that is because if you're a writer like me, and we all are, because darn it, we're writing so many emails, tweets, texts. I've read studies that show that this age is a far more literate and writing-inclined age than any other for maybe all of recorded time. We're writing so much. And part of what we do when we write is, I write anyway to think. I kind of think out loud on paper, and I organize my thoughts as I kind of get my draft together. And it's forced me to think. And so I miss the act of writing those regular essays. Um, and in a lot of ways, I've used this podcast instead. I've sublimated that instinct, and I've made it happen for this podcast. So now I have to show up once a week in front of this mic and talk to you, which forces me to pick my words and my thoughts more carefully. And I also really benefit from our mailbag, which, by the way, is going to be next week on this podcast, the last Wednesday of every month, because I'm partly writing to hear what you think of it so I can learn from your thoughts back. And I've had some very faithful correspondence over the months and years now, and I always look forward to mailbags. So we write to think, and in absence of writing, we can podcast to think. I will briefly mention why I no longer write those essays. Turns out not that many people clicked on them, especially when we went to electronic. People were just kind of clicking through what's the next pick or what are the best buys now. And so my essays just weren't as much of a draw. And frankly, even though I'm a writer, I pretty much hate writing. I don't write out of any compulsion. I don't keep any regular journal, no internal motivation. I need deadlines. I need people forcing me saying, you must write this. I'm much happier to sit in front of a microphone and podcast, which is why I do this with joy every week. But that's kind of why I don't do the essays anymore. My team told me people didn't really click on them. And I was like, great, because I don't even want to have to write them really. So anyway, that's all prelude to my six traits of the rule breaker investor. And the reason I mention that is because as I put these six out, this is draft form. This is kind of where I am and how I'm thinking about it. I would love your help if you want to write in on Mailbag. If you have a better idea than any of my six, if you can top it, one of the Motley Fool's longtime core values, please do top it. Help me, because I put this forward as kind of a draft to all my fellow rule breakers, and I will benefit from hearing back some constructive criticism. So, Without further ado, then let's get started with trait number one. All right, so how, how? Trait number one, how do you invest? Trait number one, 
Let your winners run high. So, let your winners run, period. Next sentence, one word, high, period. By the way, each of these I've tried to make kind of a kernel, shorter form, so that they're easy. And I've even added a mnemonic system, which I'll be mentioning in just a little while, to help make them more memorable for you. But let your winners run high. And I kind of think of that as rule number one. Because in my experience, the most important thing you can do with your hows, the who you are as an investor, is that you should be holding. You should be buying companies exhibiting the six traits of rule breakers, the what's. You should be buying those companies, but then you should be buying them to hold. Buy to hold, as we've so often said in my services at The Motley Fool. After all, if you sell Netflix in its second year or Amazon in its third year and you didn't get to enjoy the 10th and 15th year, you left almost untold amounts of money on the table. You lose far more when what could have been a 150 bagger, 150 times your money held over 10 years, when you sell that out for a three bagger because somebody told you buy low, sell high. The amount of money you leave on the table in those situations far exceeds losing 100% in a whole bunch of other positions. Again, just do the math. So, rule number one, let your winners run high. And you notice I'm saying winners. We don't tend to add to our losers. I'm foreshadowing a future trait that we'll get be getting to in a sec. But we really look and ask what is working out there, not just in your portfolio, but yes, But what's working out there in the marketplace? What are the companies that are introducing winning solutions? Who are the innovators who have real customers using real products, who are buying more and more with growing top-line sales, etc.? So, it's the winners that you're going to let run, and you're going to let them run high. Now, for each of my six traits, I'll be including maybe one classic quote that has come from me at some point that I like to use over and over, so long-time listeners will recognize some of these. But for my let your winners run high rule number one, on Twitter this week, I tweeted out an article I once wrote called The Greatest Secret of All. You can Google Greatest Secret of All, David Gardner. I'm pretty sure you'll find it. But in that article, I have a couple quotes which are relevant to this rule. The first is, find good companies and hold those positions tenaciously over time to yield multiples upon multiples of your original investment. And I just kind of tweeted that quote out. I like other things in that article. I hope you'll take a moment to read that article if you've not. But that's like, to me, the classic statement that I'm trying to make in that article. I am happy to say that Gautam Baid on Twitter, at Gautam underscore Baid, thank you, Gautam, you went on to say, beyond that quote, you included one other from the article, and I do love this one too. And it's, quote, we play an entirely different game, a game measured by huge percentage points of profit and counted in years, end quote. An entirely different game from Wall Street, from fund managers who trade in and out of their whole portfolio for many managed funds in a single year, the constant churning trading, the way, in my experience, that a lot of financial television inspires people to think they need to follow the markets really closely and jump in and jump out, and it just causes all of them, I hope not you, all of them to violate rule number one. And if this is a new concept for you, I'm really glad you're getting to hear it because I've seen it work not just in my portfolio, but in my dad's before me and over decades. Find good companies and hold those positions tenaciously over time to yield multiples upon multiples of your original investment. And that's not just fantasy, that's fact. And you could just look at 
any of the great companies of our time. You can just look at the stock market over time. The facts are all there, but it's amazing how obscured they are by the Sturm und Drang of media coverage of the markets and by how people mislearn investing, in many cases, early in their careers. So, again, rule number one, let your winners run high. All right. Rule number two, and now I will mention my mnemonic system that's going to help you and me, I hope, remember these six principles. Each of these six has the number of the principles somewhere implicit in the words I'm using. So, I was just kind of emphasizing rule number one with that first one, and I do like that one rhymes with run. Let Rule number one, let your winners run high, but trait number two, add up instead of double down. I think you heard the two word in there. It's double. And a lot of people use the phrase double down or think that they should be adding to the thing that's dropped. After all, four of the most harmful words ever unleashed in front of investors, unfortunately constantly parroted and reparroted, buy low, sell high. Four of the worst words. Why? Because that third word, sell, has so many people thinking that that's a natural thing that you need to do shortly after you've bought low. And so you have everybody violating rule number one because, in large part, concepts like buy low, sell high, which are just frankly wrongheaded, as we've been talking about a couple of decades over my neck of the woods. So add up instead of double down. So I do like to add money to investments. I think you should too, as fellow rule breakers. How number two says, yeah, that's a good thing to add money, but add to the ones that are winning, the ones that are going. Up. You know, in some ways, investing is like a horse race. Here's the trick you're allowed to invest during the race. And so once Secretariat gets up by about 10 lengths halfway through in the world of the stock market and how we invest as rule breakers, you're allowed to put money in the race right then. And guess who I'm going to bet on? I'm betting on Secretariat. And Secretariat might choke, and you don't always win this way. And when you don't, it does hurt. But in my experience, the guys that are out ahead, the horses, the investors, the companies, they tend to keep on winning. So let's you and I make sure that if we're going to keep adding money to existing holdings, we're adding them to the winners. How many investors have quit the game? Maybe Igor's friend, for example, have quit the game because they put too much in things that were not doing well. And then they added to that. They threw good money after bad, as the old saw goes. How many people have been burned and how badly? I bet I'm speaking to a few of them now. I've had experiences like this too. I used to, as a kid, think that you want to buy low. So I was adding to the ones that weren't doing so well. No, we should be trait number two of the rule breaker investor adding up instead of doubling down. So before we move on to number three, I said I'd pull kind of a classic quote for each of these. And the one that feels right. For trait number two of the rule breaker investor is this one. I try to find excellence, buy excellence, and add to excellence over time. I sell mediocrity. That's how I invest. Find excellence, buy excellence, and add to excellence over time. Enough said. Rule breaker investor trait number three. The number three how for you. Here it is. Invest for at least three years. You caught that? The three in there with rule number three? Invest for at least three years. Now, if I ever publish this material, invest will be italicized. It's invest. 
and it reminds me to share with you once again, if you're a long-time listener, but if you're not, maybe you're hearing this for the first time, the root, the Latin root for the word invest, a word that we toss around all the time here at The Motley Fool, invest. The Latin root is investiri. It's from the Latin, which means to put on the clothes of, to wear the garments of. And if you think of a phrase like priestly vestment, that vestment word comes from that same Latin root. And I think a great visual, especially if you're a sports fan, is to picture fans wearing the jerseys of their favorite team to their stadium to cheer their team on. And whether their team wins or loses that particular game, and whether their team, if they're a true fan, and in my mind a true capital F fool, whether their team has a good season or a bad season, not just a game, a season, they're going to stick with their team. And it's that mentality that has you investing putting on those clothes. But it's not, in this case, clothes. It's wearing the garments of those companies that you love. And we do that for real, too. I see people walk around with an Apple logo on their shirt, or they love their Lululemon. Some of these garments are literally being worn by people who are big fans of some of their favorite companies. You might have some of those things in your drawers as well. So that makes it even easier for you to understand truly what to invest once meant, and for me, will always mean. And for you, too, if you embrace trait number three of the Rule Breaker Investor, invest for at least three years. Now, the number three is a little bit arbitrary, and we've used it for years at The Motley Fool. Sometimes we say, hey, have to hold for at least five years. Um, I know one thing, it's more than one year. It's certainly more than a month or a day. But I like three, especially because this is trait number three, and it makes it easier to remember. But this is often when I do my five stock samplers, also the length of time that I'm using for the game that we're playing together when we do five stock samplers is, I'll say, for the next three years. So it's a very consistently used number. It's a little arbitrary. Maybe four was a better number, but we're going with three. But don't forget that that word invest is italicized for us as rule breaker investors. All right. And the classic quote I want to lay down for this one. I've already used it this podcast, but I'll say it again. The two keys to my investment approach, stock by stock, in before the vast majority of others and out after the vast majority of others. All right. You now know the first three traits of the rule breaker investor, the how we do what we do when we win over time, which we surely have, and I do believe we'll continue to do so, especially if we adhere to these principles. Feels like halftime of this podcast. This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. You're always on the cutting edge of technology, and TD Ameritrade prides itself on being ahead of the curve, too. Their latest innovations put their resources and services on the popular platforms you carry and use every day. Now, to stay on top of the markets, all you have to do is enable the TD Ameritrade skill for Amazon Echo. That's right. I'm not going to say your name because I don't want to trigger it for anybody who's listening to this podcast on the Amazon Echo, but you can now enable the TD Ameritrade skill there, or you could message TD Ameritrade on Facebook. That's right. Learn more about their commitment to innovation at tdameritrade.com slash, one of my favorite words, innovation. And thanks to Molecule as well. Molecule is the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. Molecule's introduced a breakthrough science that's finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular 
level. And boy, can that make a real difference for asthma and allergy sufferers, helping them better cope with their conditions and significantly reducing their symptoms. One customer wrote in saying, after using Molecule in her home, that she was able to, quotes, breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. And I've talked to many a fool around Full HQ, whether it's working with somebody like Jim Mueller, who recently gave some props to it around the office, or Chris Hill, our own Chris Hill, stealing the device when it first showed up in Full HQ. I can only imagine, I'm not a strong allergy sufferer myself, but if you're somebody who suffers from allergies, I really think you should take a look at Molecule's easy-to-use, clean, sleek design from the materials used on this device, like its sleek, solid aluminum shell, to a filter subscription service where filters regularly arrive on your doorstep when you need them. Take a look. $75 off your first order. Visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com. That's Molecule with a K. And enter the promo code FOOL, Molecule.com. Use the promo code FOOL. All right, rule number one, let your winners run high. Rule number two, add up instead of double down. Rule number three, invest for at least three years. And now, number four. It reads very simply, remember the four tenets of conscious capitalism. So, I know we've got some conscious capitalism fans who listen to this podcast, and we might have made some new ones when I dedicated the entire month of May for this podcast this year to conscious capitalism. Now, if that phrase is new for you, I would suggest you listen to our May 2nd podcast just some months back. It was entitled Conscious Capitalism. You'll learn a lot more right there. Mine is not to summarize the whole approach here, but it is with this trait number four. It is to, I hope, cement in your mind the four principles that form its foundation and to have you think about those as you go about the job of investing, the how of how you invest. And so, very simply, those four tenets summarized. Number one, look for purpose-driven businesses. Number two, look for businesses that value all their stakeholders, that are oriented to causing everybody to win. The customers, certainly. I think customers always come first for businesses. Their employees, their partners and suppliers. Yes, their shareholders, too. Yep, little me and little you are the public market shareholders of those companies. We want them to do well, too. Otherwise, the system doesn't work too well. Also, maybe the environment for some companies or communities for others. Who are the stakeholders and which are the businesses that are winning or trying hard to win for all of them? And that's tenant number two. Tenants three and four are kind of a conscious or servant leadership. So you should be able to detect that among the executive ranks at the company. You'd love to hear that backed up, maybe on a site like Glassdoor or on LinkedIn reviews. Or if you have friends who work at that company, you'd love to hear that they love the culture of their company, that they love the leaders of their company, they admire them. And the people who are running the place probably may not have the best parking spot in the garage or the big corner office. In some businesses, it's appropriate that they might. But are they servants? Are they conscious leaders? And then finally, number four, conscious culture, the culture of the companies that we're investing in. Those should be really good. Yes, employees should love working there. And why is culture so important to me? Well, to me and you, since we are investors, acting therefore by definition for the long term, when you buy a new company, 
you're probably buying the culture as much as anything else because the CEO might change while we hold these stocks for 5, 10, 15 years. The products and services certainly will, and the world around those companies, their industries, they will change. But what often doesn't change that much, whether we're talking about civilizations or just for profit public companies, are the cultures. That's in large part the soil, the fertilizer that's going to cause everything to grow or to die, the cultures of your companies. So, again, Number four here for Rule Breaker Investors, the how of what we do, we remember the four tenets of conscious capitalism. And the quote that I want to bring into this one might be the favorite one that I've come up with so far. I use it all the time. It's make your portfolio reflect your best vision for our future. So you're thinking about the implications of investing in these companies. Are you picking things that are going to make our world better? Or are you contemplating investments that might make the world worse? for some people or a lot of people. In my experience, when you're finding things that are going to make the world better, that's one of the best reasons to keep holding something and expect it'll do well over time. Because the universe often conspires to make the things that should win, win, to make things better for all of us. So be thinking and actively asking, what is my best vision for for our future, and is my money lined up with that? Number four. All right, rule breaker investor trait number five. Remember, we've got the mnemonic going on. There's going to be a five somewhere in this one. Listen for it 5% max initial position. That's right. When I start investing and when I build a portfolio, whether I'm building one for myself or somebody else, I never start a position with more than 5% of the overall money we have to invest. What that means is, when you build a well-constructed portfolio as a rule-breaker investor, you're going to be diversified across at least 20 companies. Because simple math suggests that if you go and max it out with that initial 5% position, then you would have 20 of those. And that would be your portfolio. Now, you don't have to be as hardcore as I am on this. A lot of us start investing with smaller amounts of money, and we have to put in like a third of that just to buy one stock, and we have our first three stocks. So, realize that, of course, I'm talking about a slightly more mature portfolio. But these days, since it's possible to buy fractional shares, it's easier than ever before to invest without commissions. I think you owe it to yourself to think diversified from the get-go. And especially as you grow that portfolio over time, even if you have a really strong conviction, even if the next pick coming out of Motley Fool Stock Advisor sounds really great to you, I do not think that you should put any more than about 5% or less of your full portfolio into that stock or any other. To go back to Igor's friend, that I'm glad we don't even know his name, and I don't mean to be picking on him, I'm pretty sure I'll never meet him, but he wasn't able to keep investing because he overloaded into stocks. And I frequently have come across fools. I've signed some books at book signings over the years, given talks lots of different places, and people will come and say, you know, I, I put too much in this one or that one. I see it on our discussion boards at the Motley Fool at Fool.com. People will talk about how they made that mistake. The good news is they're talking about it, which means A, they've acknowledged it and realized it, and B, often they're looking back to an earlier stage of their investment lives when they realize they just put too much in something that sounded too good and they learned a hard lesson that way. So the best way to escape that very common trap that truly can sink people's fortunes is not to overload in any one stock. Now, I will say this, a corollary to our rule number five, 5% max initial position, is that if the stock starts doing well, we've said, rule number two, you can add to it. Add up 
instead of double down. And if you're doing the math with me, well, if this thing started at 5% and then it started gaining in value and we added some more, it could end up being a large position, far larger than 5% in the portfolio. And there are some nuances to this, and it's very contextual, one person's portfolio to the next, where they are in life, and how else they're invested. So I can't give any kind of all-encompassing answer to this other than to say that as a rule breaker, I am comfortable with an unbalanced portfolio. I've lived long stretches of my own adult life with unbalanced portfolios, overloaded in a few stocks, but the only way that ever happened was because they won their way to that share of my portfolio. They earned their market share within your portfolio or mine. And since the winners tend to keep on winning, it's not always true, which is why if you have an uncomfortably large position, I would be the first to suggest you sell it off a little bit intermittently and get it down to where you're comfortable. But more often than not, you should be letting your winners win. And if you have more than one of them, they won't overtake your portfolio because they'll start hitting shoulders against each other because they're all big dogs for you. And that's kind of how rule-breaker portfolios that I've managed, for example, for my kids that I've built up over the years, that's kind of what they look like. And it's a really great feeling. It's not just all about one stock. It's some big-shouldered, for-profit public companies doing great work in this world that are just growing and dominating. And when you have new money to add, I probably don't add to those anymore. I find new stocks. That's why we keep coming up with a stream of new ideas and Rule Breakers and Stock Advisor or Best Buys Now for members so they can hear about new stocks. So, to close this one out then, Trait number five, 5% max initial position. And the quote I want to append here to number five is this one. Stocks always go down faster than they go up, but they always go up more than they go down. So, do remember that first part in particular, stocks always go down faster than they go up. And people who've overloaded in a position that starts going down fast, which never feels good, but that's always how it does feel, especially in bear markets, that can scare people out of that stock or out of investing altogether. So, part of being able to accept psychologically watching something go down fast, even though over time it will go up more than it goes down, is being diversified. All right. Well, thanks for listening with me all the way to the end of this important list, which I'm pretty sure I'll have cause to reference possibly many times in future. It's been really fun to have dreamt this up and to be sharing this with you this week and have a little mnemonic running through it. And so let's close it out with number six. Number six is aim for 60% accuracy. So, what does that mean? Because accuracy is a term that we've kind of brought into the lexicon here within Full HQ, but many other people wouldn't use that term in the investment world. So, for me, accuracy is what percentage of the time you are beating the market. So, for example, if you have 10 stocks and eight of them are beating the market, are ahead of where the market is, and two are losing to the market, then I would say that's an outstanding. 80% accuracy. Eight in 10 of the companies you're overseeing. By the way, if you're only in 10, I want you to be in 20 stocks. But if you're just starting out, that's great accuracy of 80%. That is unsustainably great, at least for my approach and my what and my how. I've never been able to maintain, nor do I even think I want to maintain that high in accuracy. In order to have a really high accuracy, in my experience, you take less risk. You go with more certain, bigger things. And for a lot of us, that's the right approach. But for me, I like to take shots and I'm willing to airball it from time to time. And uh, turns out, over the course of my investment record in Stock Advisor and Rule Breakers, my own accuracy isn't that much more than 50%. 
And that's why I say, with this trait number six, aim for 60% accuracy. In my experience, even if you don't hit that, the good news is you can still womp on the stock market averages. You can still prosper mightily as an investor because the kinds of stocks that we're using these rules to invest in, the traits that I put out there, like top dog and first mover and important emerging industry, combined with what I've shared with you this week, let your winners run high, add up instead of double down, you're going to end up with great performance even without great accuracy. In fact, a lot of studies show, and I don't have one to quote right now, but you could look it up. As baseball manager Casey Stengel used to say, I also see this as a short story by James Thurber, the very humorous American writer written in 1941, but you could look it up. And I think you're going to find that studies will show that over time, a majority of companies in the market lose to the market's average, lose to the S&P 500. So, if in fact you are hitting on 50% accuracy, you're probably exceeding many fund managers with that number right there. But aim, because we want to aim high, we always want to try to do better, aim for 60% accuracy. Now, the other side of that coin, which I have to point out, is that means you're going to lose four times out of 10. And some of those times, you're going to lose really badly. And anybody who's spent any time listening to this podcast or joined us at Stock Advisor or Rule Breakers will certainly know that I talk a lot about needing to lose to win and being comfortable looking silly, and being okay with losing. And one of the reasons that I'm okay with losing, and I think you just heard it in trait number five, is that we don't take big positions in things. So, if things do poorly, we're not going to get that badly hurt. So, aim for 60% accuracy. And I've been appending a quote to each of these, so I guess I might as well just repeat it. I already used it, but you have to be willing to lose to win. It's a very important concept, especially applicable to the approach that we take here at Rule Breaker Investing. There are other approaches out there. You could just mail it in with the index fund and not even open up your statements and just keep saving every two weeks from your paycheck. I think that's a great way to go. There are also some hyper-safe approaches. You could hedge yourself. You could only buy stocks that have great balance sheets and pay a nice dividend. There are certainly less risky approaches to take. But since you're listening to my podcast, you're going to know that we intentionally take risk, and that's the nature of Rule Breaker Investing and how I think we maximize our returns. All right, then, let's bring it all together to close. I'd like to summarize what we've done this time together, because we're going to be using this again in future. Say it along with me if you've already started to memorize. If the mnemonics, always spelled with a silent M up front, if the mnemonics are working for you, say it along with me. Amen, brother. Here we go. Number one, let your winners run high. Number two, add up instead of double down. Number three, invest for at least three years. Four, remember the four tenets of conscious capitalism. Five, 5% max initial position. Six, aim for 60% accuracy. Well, thank you for suffering a fool gladly once again this week. As I mentioned, this is a draft. If you've got feedback for me, rbi at fool.com is our email address. You can also tweet us out at, at RBI Podcast on Twitter. And yes, mailbag is this coming week. So I'm sure I'll be featuring some mailbag items reflecting on these six principles. Maybe you have a story to tell that one of these reminded you of. I love to share stories as well. So next week is mailbag. In the meantime, fool on. 
As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.